There is never anything I'm going to do if I have a better shot of being hit by an airplane part and that happening instead. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of There's a Lot Going On, the only podcast that would officially change the Super Bowl to the Bubble Bowl. I'm David Rowe, joined as always by my co-host, Tom Shively. Tom, how are you on this glorious NFL Sunday? Uh, six playoff games this weekend. You know, we're witnessing history. They've all been kind of good so far. I know I, I at least thought there were going to be a couple snoozers, but each game has been intriguing kind of one way or another. The Nickelodeon telecast is weird. I don't know if I'd watch it again, but, you know, the, the slime is kind of an interesting side effect, the uh, SpongeBob between the goalposts. But uh, it's a unique football viewing experience. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, and if, if you want to know our full thoughts on the NFL playoffs before they had started, uh, I implore you to go back and listen to our NFL preview podcast uh, for the playoffs with Gabriella DiGiovanni. We went through all of that stuff, and I think it's still relevant even after these uh, results from today because I think all the teams we think are going to make to the Super Bowl, for the most part, are still in it. Yeah, a couple minor. I think we all had the Seahawks. You know, they obviously went down Saturday, but you know, that's uh, as we get further along, we'll start to we'll start to separate the contenders from the pretenders. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, as we mentioned a couple of days ago on our NFL playoff preview podcast, joining us now top of the show to talk about the college football playoff tonight between Ohio State and Alabama is Gabriella DiGiovanni. She is an on-air personality for the Philadelphia Eagles and coincidentally enough, an Ohio State alum, alumnus. I'm not, I'm not great with grammar. Gabriella, how are you? Hey guys, thanks for having me again. Hey, we're, we're happy to, to have you here, and th- let's start, we'll start with your expertise, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Only played six games this year. I would say not particularly impressive in those games. They were kind of a roller coaster, almost lost to Indiana at one point. They almost lost to Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship game. You know, they just didn't look that impressive, and then came out last week and absolutely rolled Clemson. Like, what who is who is the real Ohio State? I guess is my question. Will the real Ohio State please stand up? <laughs> right. Um I was equally as surprised by that performance performance against Clemson. I thought it would be a tough game because the past few years, Clemson and Ohio State have really developed a little bit of, of a rivalry. And they've been really good games, especially last year. You know, Ohio State went in with a chip on their shoulder for sure. But at the same time, like you said, they did play six games and it wasn't consistently to no fault of their own. But there, there's no way to know a team, right, when, when you play that way. And we didn't know their identity. We didn't know what team was going to get off the bus. Um I was shocked if we're being perfectly honest. Um, They didn't just play well. They played just out of their mind football. Like I, before COVID, I had high expectations for this team, but obviously the way that, you know, the cards fell, you didn't really know what they were going to be like. And I think it's very hard for a team to, um, develop consistency and cohesion when you aren't playing regularly like that. I don't think they ever played a Saturday to two Saturdays in a row. So I was pleasantly surprised and definitely have a little bit more hope going into Monday. Uh, obviously there's some 
for sure mismatches, but I think it's a lot better game than I thought it would be um, if they had advanced knowing what we knew before last week. I'm kind of glad you brought that up because I'm trying to rack my brain of Ohio State games that I've watched. And like that is up there. That might be the most impressive Ohio State performance I've ever seen. I've seen them, you know, easily handle Oregon in a national championship. I saw them beat Alabama that same year. And it's just like, I don't know what it was about. You know, there was that Dabo ranking them 11th mm-hmm. and kind mm-hmm. of the Clemson, you know, everyone in the media, you know, even everyone who kind of knew college football was going out. It's Clemson, Alabama, part 75, whatever we're yeah. at now. And like that has to play into it at some point, you know, Clemson almost just went into it overlooking them. I think it definitely plays into it because it wasn't just Dabo coming out and ranking them 11th, right? He had said other things throughout the week, like, oh, well, this is going to be a quick preparation. There's only six games to watch and didn't believe that anybody who played six games should even qualify for the playoffs, which if the tables were turned, if his team only was able to play six games, I'm sure he would have been advocating for his team to play in the playoffs, right? I mean, we knew going into this that there were going to be things that just didn't make sense. I mean, it's it's not a normal year, right? I was still nervous. Like, did I think that they should be in the playoffs? Yes, because they were still undefeated. They would represent the Big Ten. It's good for the Big Ten. But I was very unsure because, the you know, the Big Ten championship game left me a little uneasy about who they who they really were and i i think the thing that went so well for them last week is was their ability to get big plays you know justin fields connected on a bunch of deep throws downfield Mm -hmm. and that's kind of the risk you take when you're clemson you know they play a lot of those and you see this with the jets a lot actually at least when they had greg williams as their dc they play a lot of exotic looks and they're trying to confuse the opposing quarterback and when it works it works pretty well you're able to get some confusion you know maybe keep it everything in front of you but when all your defenders are not on the same page you are going to get torched and that's exactly what happened to Clemson and Justin Fields took advantage of it he looked like the five-star guy that he was going into Georgia I'm sure Georgia is kicking themselves right now I, I literally tweeted like Kirby Smart where are you at like the fact that this kid was sitting on his bench, of course, we'll never know, you know, what they looked like at practice three years ago. But the fact that Jake Fromm was playing ahead of this kid blows my mind. It really, truly does. Oh, even more than that, though, like, let's look back to that Georgia. Remember when Georgia made the uh, the SEC championship mm-hmm. and in, you know, the year before, what had they seen? They saw Alabama in the national championship, put in a freshman quarterback in the second half and what they do win the national championship and Kirby Mm -hmm. Smart learned nothing from that he did not learn a thing when he had a better quarterback by leaps and bounds I don't know what they saw in practice but he's clearly better sitting right there he was just waiting yep yeah it's kind of it's kind of funny if we're being honest (laughs) Uh, before we talk uh the other team they're gonna play what do you guys make of that collapse by Clemson because you know uh he threw for 400 yards and his numbers looked really good on paper. But, you know, the debate has always been, you know, there's Trevor Lawrence, clear number one quarterback, you know, who's number two. And I think Justin Fields basically locked himself into number two. But I mean, he didn't look that impressive to me against Ohio State. And I is that I that's a little concerning to me if you're an NFL team. Again, I, I don't know what that has to do with Clemson, but that was kind of my takeaway from Clemson was Trevor Lawrence didn't look like the Trevor Lawrence I'd come to know. Was it that he didn't look that good or did Ohio State's 
defensive line figure out a way to contain him because I don't think he's seen a defensive line all year play that way. And perhaps he was a little shell-shocked. I, I do think, I'm not saying Trevor Lawrence individually, but I do think the team as a whole went into it very confidently, like, we got this. I don't think there was ever a question in their mind that this was going to go the way that it did. Um, because I even was extremely surprised in the way that Ohio State's defensive line played. Um, I mean, they really contained Travis Etienne. Um, obviously, Trevor Lawrence just couldn't, he couldn't get much going, you know? I mean, he had a few like deep passes and he was Trevor Lawrence for a second. He did just look a little like a different quarterback. Again, he's been playing in the ACC all year as well. So, you know, but I I guess, I guess Tom, I'll let you jump here in a second, but like, I guess that's the question now though, if you're an NFL team is that was an NFL defensive line he played. And when they were in his face, he struggled a little bit. And on the Jacksonville Jaguars, you're not going to have the strongest (laughs) offensive line there that first year. And, you know, we saw Joe Burrow, you can overcome that. But at what point are you concerned about maybe injuries with Trevor Lawrence at the next level? Can he not handle the pressure as much as we thought? Because, you know, they they won that first national championship with them and have struggled to win one with him since. I I, don't, I think there's a lot of questions about Trevor Lawrence. Um, I, I think he's still above and beyond the best quarterback prospect in this draft. I think Justin Fields is really good, but I actually think it's like a canyon between the two of them. Uh, I just, I, I think there are more questions though, than we have been, been thought than we have thought this whole time. I, I think he's, yeah, I think he's still far and away the best quarterback, but you know, no disrespect to the ACC, obviously Notre Dame is in there this year, but th- those are not the type of defenses that Joe Burrow saw in the SEC last year going up against Alabama, you know, even, you know, an Arkansas defensive line might be better than a typical defensive line you're going to see in the ACC. So you know, he played well in those games against Alabama. I don't really fault him for losing to to LSU in the championship last year. Funny enough, uh, Skalski <laughs> also got ejected for targeting in that LSU game. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of a momentum turner. And he goes down against Ohio State uh, for, like, same call, essentially. And, you know, after the Sean Wade targeting the year before, mm-hmm. that's just how that kind of played into all three of those games, I thought was really interesting and how that changed the dynamic for Clemson. But him in Jacksonville, I think, you know, you're going to have J.J. Watt and Darius Leonard at least four times a year, you know, coming after you. So it's going to be it's going to be dicey for him. But, uh, you know, I, I think he's still one game from fields. They overshadow the interception, especially in some of the games that they struggled with. And I think one bad performance from Lawrence doesn't necessarily cancel out a lot of the good that he's had. I mean, he's one of the best quarterbacks, college quarterbacks of all time, statistically. And that can never be erased. I mean, what he's done in three years is insane. It's incredible. But when, how that translates to the NFL, I think there are, there are going to be growing pains and there's going to be a lot of development that's going to come with that. And I'm sure he's aware of that. And I'm sure NFL scouts and GMs are aware of that too, that that comes with the territory. Sometimes you, you have a kid who like blows up the college football scene, but when they get to the NFL, there there's, the game is different, you know, at the next level. And so I think there's definitely going to be growing pains and um, some development that's going to have to happen, but they also have to invest in building around him. As the well the name I keep thinking about is, is Watson and like how Watson kind of immediately took off in the NFL. And, and mm-hmm. the argument could certainly be made. I don't know if you guys agree with it, that Lawrence is a better prospect than Watson was coming out of college. You know, Watson was picked what 12th, I think mm-hmm. should have been the first and quarterback so... off the board, but yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, wasn't Mahomes also drafted that year? But I'm, I'm saying at the time of drafting, oh, 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 yeah, Watson was, I thought, clearly the best quarterback coming it, out. To this day, that blows my mind that you literally had Deshaun Watson on the board. Even at the time that draft, the around that draft time, I don't even remember him being like the talk of the town. But he should no. have been. He absolutely 100% should have been. Yeah, it was crazy. Crazy. So, I mean, like Watson went in and had immediate success. And, you know, mm-hmm. maybe that is Lawrence. You know, Watson obviously went into a better situation than Lawrence will with the Jaguars, and, and that'll play into it. And, you know, maybe he does kind of have a Sam Darnold type, you know, on the Jets can't really get his footing under him type of career. But I, I just think that he is – the only guy I would really hold to him is Andrew Luck in terms of prospects. Prospect, yeah. That are as – and Luck here too, so – I, I think Lawrence is pretty safe to to be an impact on on wherever he goes, and it's going to be Jacksonville. Well, let, real quick, but I'm going to drop one hot take. I'm going to let no one respond to it. Uh, <laughs> Dabo Sweeney is Jim Harbaugh if he had a national championship. Anyway, on to the other side. <laughs> We're going to talk about Alab. All right, all right, I'll elaborate real quick. He has the same personality. They're like the same person, just one as a national championship and two incredible NFL quarterbacks under his belt now, plus a whole host of other great NFL talent that he's recruited. The other one is uh, can't beat Penn State, Michigan State. That That's what it is. I mean, it is what it is. Isn't that, like, isn't that the whole Harbaugh thing, though? Like, he can't win big games? Like, that that's Harbaugh's identity. So, I mean, I don't that's, that must, that's that was the, sta- that's the standard games. up there these days, I guess. Listen, I'm ready. I'm ready to slander Dabo at this point. I was happy to see him get crushed last week, and oh, me I'm, too. I want to see that man. I want them to be like six and six next year. I I can't stand him. Uh, let's let's jump over to the other side and okay. a team. I feel like we have to see literally every year in the national yep. championship. Alabama Crimson Tide. They're the number one team in the country. They have basically been that the entire year. Mac Jones balled. I think he won the best quarterback uh, in the nation uh, the night we are recording this. Najee Harris is incredible. Devonta Smith won the Heisman. Mm -hmm. And the Belentnikov for best wide receiver. I mean, this team has talent all over. Having a mentor in Patrick Sertan on the outside who, before they even played the game, Brian Kelly's like, yeah, that guy, yeah, we're not throwing to him. And guess what? They didn't throw at him. Mm -hmm. Like, this team is stacked top to bottom, plus Nick Saban is still their head coach. It's it's wild, honestly, what Nick Saban has done at Alabama. And people can hate Alabama and hate Nick Saban all they want, but you can't deny what he has done. Like year after year after year, consistently the way he recruits, the way his team plays, um, And then what a lot of them go on to do at the next level is just, I don't know if if we'll see something like this in the near future, again, from another college coach. Um, I I think it's a dangerous matchup for Ohio State in that I haven't been super impressed the past two games with Sean Wade. And... If you're supposed to be covering Devontae Smith, I, I don't even know if you can, you know? And so I don't I don't know how this is gonna go, if we're being perfectly honest. I Dabo Swinney has almost made me like Nick Saban because of just <laughs> like how how smooth Alabama runs their program. You know, they just 
turn churn out absurd you know like it feels like 10 first round picks every mm-hmm. year like they just mm-hmm. five star recruits you know left and right i think they won seven of like the 15 individual player awards this year which is a record and it, it's just to do it in the sec year in and year out and, and just be that consistent it's kind of like you mentioned almost unheard of in college mm-hmm. and you know it was going into the playoff was kind of can Clemson hang with them. And I think that shifts a little bit out of Ohio state, but it's, there's just so many questions still with Ohio state and it's just Alabama, you know, what are the questions? How do you beat them? Like you have to literally do everything perfect and hope Mac Jones throws two interceptions. You know, how do you even attack trying to beat this team? If you're Ohio state. Let's throw another before you give your thoughts there, Gabriel, about how they could maybe stop them. Let's throw another huge wrinkle into this. Jalen Waddle is just coincidentally practicing this Might practicing this week. Yeah, yeah. And he is probably better than Devonta Smith, who just won the Heisman. Like, that's a little terrifying. Yeah. I, I definitely think you're going to have to get to Mac Jones. You're going to have to force him to throw it when he's not ready to throw it. Um and kind of rattle rattle them a little bit make them make mistakes i think the defensive front is going to have to come up they're going to have to win in the trenches because if he can sling it downfield it's it's over you know i i truly don't think you know ohio state has had great players in that d-back position the past few years and sean wade was supposed to be that guy but he was getting burnt last week against clemson and he shouldn't have been so I, I don't like that matchup at all. <laughs> I don't like Sean Wade and Devontae Smith at all because it will be over. So if if Ohio State can find a way to pressure Mac Jones, that's where it's going to have to start because if he lets it rip downfield, it's over. Not to mention Najee Harris, but I think if you can win in the trenches, um, you'll, have, you'll have a better shot of trying to eliminate the passing game as best you can. Uh, another now it's like in my head another just wild thing when it comes to uh, the way Alabama plays football and this this is why it's so important they have a guy like Patrick Sertan you know last week they played Clemson who is going to give you all those exotic looks try and confuse you a little bit you know what Alabama is going to do on defense and it's still really hard to stop it they're mm-hmm. going to man you up on the outside they're going to rush four sometimes five and they're going to say beat us good luck we have more talent Mm -hmm. and once again i just think they have they have more talent than ohio state and i think ohio state and and georgia are the only other teams who can compete with them talent wise because even clemson like clemson doesn't recruit at the rate that georgia and ohio state do and and alabama on they're just on a whole nother level when it comes to recruiting how they've done that I think is insane because when you really think about it, like a lot of these guys don't even get to play until they're juniors and seniors. But a lot of the guys on this national championship team have been playing since they were freshmen, especially at the mm-hmm. wide receiver position. Yep. I I think Ohio State can put up a lot of points, actually. I, I, I think they can play well against Alabama's defense. My concern more is Ohio State's defense against Alabama's offense. Just that offense is just so high power. They can do all different things. They can run it. They can throw it. You just really never know. They have so many weapons. That's my concern for Ohio State. It's it's not as much um, Ohio State's offense matching up against Alabama's defense. I, I think it 
actually is Ohio State's offense matching up against Alabama's defense. Because if, if you look at, you know, it, it's easy to kind of go over the last five years and look at the games that Alabama has lost because, you know, there's so few of them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like 35-31 to Clemson. It's like 45-42 to Auburn. I think that game against LSU last year was in the 40s that Joe Burrow went in there and beat them. Uh, you know, even Ohio State, I think, was 42-35, 34, something like that, when they played in the Sugar Bowl. So it's like you almost have to go in and just outscore them and just outshoot them. Yep. They don't they don't lose defensive struggles, you know. Notre Dame kind of tried to play that game, and that didn't go out well for them, you know. They shouldn't uh, have been there. Florida's, Florida State tried to play that a couple of years ago. I don't, That was like a regular season game, but yeah. – that that's that's how you beat Alabama, and I think they're capable of doing it. It's just Alabama's offense is just so much better this year, I think, than they've been in a lot of those other years. Well, let's let's get to some official picks before everyone makes their pick. You're gonna make uh, me pick? Oh, of course, I'm gonna yeah, make come you on, pick. Come on, because uh, uh, then, right? If you if you, I'm pick gonna with have your... people coming for me. No, no, but it, it's perfect because if you pick with your heart and. They lose and Ohio State loses. You rode with your squad. If you pick with your head and still pick Ohio State, then I can slander you. If you pick <laughs> Alabama and Alabama wins, there's there's really it's you you went with the favorite. So speaking of favorites, Alabama is seven and a half point favorites in this game. They're whole they're touchdown favorites. That's insane. Uh, Gabrielle or Gabrielle, I'm I'm gonna let you go last to okay. really contemplate your decision. Yeah. Tom, you go really, first. Really build Who, this one up. I, uh, I I tend to pick Big Ten teams in the playoff, but I, I just can't in good conscience pick yeah. Ohio State against this this Alabama team. It's just – they're so consistent. The Jalen Waddle wrinkle will be fascinating. Uh, I, I just – I think it will be a shootout, and I just don't think Ohio State has the firepower to hang with them. So I'm going with the Tide for their 18th national championship. And, uh, yeah, I just I just don't see the path for the Buckeyes. Do they cover, Tom? Do you think they cover that seven and a half? Actually, I, I'd take Alabama. Give me, a, I think they do cover, actually. Uh, I am also going to pick Alabama. I just think they have too many weapons. I think this team, honestly, if they put up 60, I wouldn't be shocked. I don't think Ohio State has the corners to match up with Alabama. And I, I think they're, they're line, maybe they can, they can be a, have, be competitive in the trenches at the line of scrimmage, but Alabama has, first round second round picks all over that offensive line and i i just see this team going out there and scoring and scoring and score and we're just gonna get bored because they're gonna score so many points to be like devonta smith 80 yard touchdown Jalen model 60 yards Najee harris here he goes 40 yard run and it's just gonna be crazy and to speak to how good this alabama offense is Tua tongue of right looked incredible in this offense and he now looks like a pedestrian quarterback in the NFL. And now people think Mac Jones is a potential first-round quarterback because of how He's good not. this offense is. He's, He's not. literally not. They just have the most talent any college football team maybe has ever had since LSU last year. Right. And we saw how that went for Clemson. So I'm just, I'm not picking against Alabama. They, I'm always going to take the better talent. And I also think they happen to have the better coach. That's a hot take. I mean, not a hot take. He currently is the better coach. Um, he's all time maybe the then, greatest then college Ryan football Day, coach ever. No, he. I think he. I would say he is the best oh, okay. college football coach of all okay. time. I thought. Nick I thought Saban? I was saying. Yeah. Okay. No, like I. I can't. I can't think of a coach that's better. Yeah. 
So Alabama, we got two for Al- Oh, also clearly, I think they cover because I think they win by three scores. Um, if I obviously pick with my heart, I'd be picking Ohio State. There's like this part. There's like this little part of me that's like, I think they could pull it off. A Come little on, part. Just, a little part gotta, of me. Th- this will be fun. Just do it. You know you want to do it. Just do what? it. What you want me to pick Alabama? Just you no, I, I, no, I listen to my no, sister no. if I pick Alabama. I mean, ugh. do the right thing. Die with your team if you think they're gonna lose. All right, yeah, I'll die on this hill. I say Oh, be- this is. This I think, is- but I think it's gonna be a way closer game than you think it's it's going to be. I I mean, you wouldn't pick Ohio State to blow them out. That makes sense. Yeah. No. I mean, yeah, I no, no, no. I'm saying David thinks that it's gonna like they're gonna it's- run up. Oh, the oh, yeah. I got you. Alabama is gonna, gonna crush like- them. See, I don't think it's gonna be like that. Oh, uh, it's going to be, it, it, we're going to be looking up. It's it's going to be like watching a video game. Up oh, another Alabama touchdown. There it goes. Up oh, it's no, 40 to nothing I at halftime. That's where I'll disagree Ooh. with you. That's where I'll disagree. No, they're, they're not going to put up four. They're not going to give up no points because I think Fields is good enough to get some points. I just. Well, and if you keep giving Trey Sermon the ball, that seems to be working recently. Okay, serious question. Because I heard someone else bring this up today on another podcast. Who was Trey Sermon before he got to Ohio State? Because I don't remember watching Oklahoma being like, hey, there's that Trey Sermon because guy. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure he was injured last year. And that's why he then took his grad transfer. Because I remember watching him the year before. And he was like a freak. Like, I remember knowing his name, thinking he was he was great. But then last year, I'm, I, I'm almost positive, someone will have to look this up, that he was injured. And that's why he played another year. But yeah, he, was, he was really good on Kyler's team. Yeah, I remember that. So good on I, Kyler's I team. And I just don't really know why we, not we, Ohio State has not um, been using him (laughs) this year. I don't know why Ohio State waited until the Big Ten championship game, but I think he definitely adds something to the team that's hard to defend. Definitely makes it a little more difficult, especially when your quarterback is mobile like Justin Fields is. And the offensive line has been playing so well. But then also against Clemson, they they decided to start using tight ends and that worked. So I, that's why I don't think it's going to be a blowout because I do think Ryan day has some things dialed up um, that are creative. Uh, I'll put out a, a Alabama is going to win 51 to 30. Okay. Ooh, let me go uh, 45 to 35 Alabama. I won't make you give a score because you're so, you're so, you're clearly so torn on this one. I'm, I'm not going to make you, I'm not going to put you through that. <laughs> How kind. Uh, Gabriella, it's been great having you on for this, uh, this college football preview. We did it the other day, but we'll do it one more time. Where can the people find you? Yeah. On Twitter and Instagram at Ella Ditch, And then all my work with the Eagles can be found on all social platforms. And uh, all that will be linked in the show notes of uh, this episode. So Gabriella, thanks for uh, joining us. Thanks guys. Go Bucks. Well, Tom, now it's just two Penn Staters on this podcast again, the way the Lord intended it to be. There's only one thing left for us to do on this show. It's a short episode today, but we got to go out on top the way we always do with a little bit of cash or trash. That's right. And today's topic comes by way of me because I recently signed up for a sports betting app, something I never thought I would do uh, just to place a bet on an Embiid future and his future MVP. And so with that, 
Today's cash or trash is ways to gamble. Tom, I know you're an expert in the topic, so you should have a lot to say on this one. Yeah, welcome to the dark side. You know, this is a, this is a bridge I never thought you would cross, but here we are. So I, uh, you know, I I may dabble in some wagering, and I have lost an undisclosed amount of money this weekend. But you know, we're looking forward to it. So uh, I'm I'm excited to talk about it with you. I'm I'm glad you're finally one of us, if you will. Hey, I'm currently playing with uh, House Money on the app I'm doing since they gave me a $50 bonus for uh, signing up with the friends referral link. So playing with House Money right now, we'll see. We'll see how long that lasts. I'm hoping that lasts for a while. But Tom, yeah, we know the story. We know the story. It all starts with House Money. Well, Tom, let's start off the top then with our cash or trash on ways to gamble with, of course, the aforementioned sports betting. Sports betting, is it cash or trash? I mean, it's it does nothing for me except enhance the viewing experience. So I think, you know, it makes terrible games interesting. You know, there's the live aspect of it. I think, you know, you can bet the spreads, obviously, the money line. I, I think there's a lot of appeal and a lot of different ways to go after it. And, you know, you can kind of pick and choose. You know, I don't – maybe you don't watch a lot of baseball. You know, don't watch baseball. You know, more football, basketball, bet, kind of tailor that uh, – my one caveat is never bet with the heart. Don't bet on your own teams. That's all I'll say. But it's so obviously cash, you know. I love it. It's a fun way to kind of, you know, obviously never gamble too much. You know, always do that responsibly. But it's just fun to kind of have that kind of extra thing to root for in games that you ordinarily might not care about. And that's always been kind of the appeal to me. Yeah, I think it's cash basically for the same reason. I, I think when you're watching a game that you basically have no other emotional investment into, it brings you an emotional investment because now you have something that you actively want to happen. And if you're watching a team that you otherwise don't care about, you know, it, it now, you know, say you bet the over and it's now up. I, I'm just rooting for points. I want points like all sports fans do when they watch sports or say, you know, you bet the money line. Now you're a fan of a certain team because you need them to win so you can get your money back or, you know, win some money. So I'm, I'm with you. I think sports betting is cash. But again, be responsible if you are going to sports bet. And hey, if you're a popular sports betting app, our doors are open. The emails are open. You know, come sponsor the pod. We would love for you to come sponsor a betting segment over here. My uh, my, my, my second rule is uh, I'm, I'm not a fan of the word we when someone talks about teams that they're a fan of. But I'm a firm believer that if you have money on the team, you are allowed to refer to them as we. Yeah, I think it's a it's a bold strategy that I haven't I don't know yet because I I'm also opposed to people saying we when talking about the team, but I haven't thought about it in reference to sports betting. So I'll have to think about that one. I'm, I'm not totally sure on that one. Tom, let's go on to the second thing we have here on Cash or Trash, Blackjack. Uh, you might be able to explain it better than me because I'm not very good at explaining it. But uh, real quick, just explain Blackjack to the people and then give us your Cash or Trash. I mean, yeah, so Blackjack is basically 21. I think a lot of people have kind of played 21 in a lifetime. You try to get as close as you can to the number 21 with your cards without going over. I think the rules are fairly simple. And, and that's why I'm going to go cash because I think it's a very, like if you walk into an, a casino, it's a very easy game to kind of understand the rules of. And, you know, they're usually about 5 to $10 bets. So it, it's not huge amounts of money like you'd see in maybe some other table games. And I think for the casual gambler it's something that, that could be very appealing and you know at most you know you come in with i only want to lose this much money and you don't really need to play for more than that and you can honestly have like 20 30 bucks last you a whole afternoon so you know it's not something that you're going to lose a ton of money at and it's it's, it's pretty safe so it's cash 
Yeah, I used to, when I was younger, right, there was no money involved, but I feel like 21 was a game I played a lot with people. And it was always like, it was always very riveting when you got 21. And it, it's just, I think for that reason, it's cash. It's the feeling you get, you know, when you, not necessarily when you get, you know, 19 or 20 and you get close. It's when you get the coveted 21 where you're like, hit me and boom, 21. And that's just such a nice feeling to get. Um, I guess this is the the problem with gambling, right? Is is if you do it enough, the, the feeling is just you like- Chase the high, come on. Yeah, it's, it's like doing a drug. Like it, you just are constantly chasing that, oh my gosh, I need that again. So I'm going to go cash on blackjack, but again, do it responsibly, please. I'm going to mention that a couple times throughout this. If you are going to gamble, please do it responsibly. Uh, Tom, roulette. Yeah, I, think, I think the real quick, sorry, real quick about blackjack. The other cash thing about it is like, everybody is against the dealer so like you're kind of rooting for everybody else at your table as well it's not like you're going up against somebody else and and that was always fun especially to like see the dealer bust and go over 21 so everybody wins like that that was always very fun to me and it's a cool kind of you kind of build a bond a little bit with the people that are at your table and you can like have some conversation and have some fun with it all right tom so roulette uh that of course it's basically like a i want to call it a tabletop but like that's a bad description of it where you throw a little like i want to call it like a ball and as it spins around you know you have to call a color uh you can call a number you can call even or odd you know it's black or red and if it hits whatever you called you win whatever amount of money you bet on that table so if you bet 20 bucks you win 20 bucks you've doubled your money um if you want to learn a little bit more about it this is weird plug but david dobrik the youtuber often will bet large sums of money at the roulette table and you can see him double his money you know 10,000 to 20,000 20,000 to 40,000 it's insane it's on youtube highly recommend watching if you want to understand a little bit better what roulette is so tom cash or trash roulette i actually didn't know the david dobrik thing that's interesting i there's a little too much chance in roulette for me i I think it's not something i've dabbled with a lot so i think just if i played it more i might like it more but uh just kind of the unknowns of it it's gonna be trash for me uh so i'm also gonna say trash i i think when you gamble right you want to gamble with games that you can feel like you have some control over it. I think sports betting's the one one exception where you can't really control the outcome of an event, but you can have preconceived notions about an event. And if you bet accordingly to that, you can, you know, do pretty well if you know what you're doing. Where roulette, it's all chance. You're just betting on a number, betting on a color, and you're hoping that that hits. You have no idea if it's actually going to. It's just a feeling, you know? It's, I got a feeling it's red, or I got a feeling it's black. And that's a terrible way to use your money. I just, I don't think that's a great way to gamble. And it's a recipe for disaster if you want to lose a lot of money. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go trash on roulette. But it's fun to watch other people play roulette. So if it's not your money, I guess it's cash. But if it's my money, trash. I don't want to play roulette. All right, Tom, video poker. Uh, I'm not an expert on this at all, so I'm going to let you take away in explaining this one. I mean, video poker is basically you can select a variety of games, you know, whether that's like five-card draw where you get five cards and you usually get to like redraw once and kind of keep however many you want to keep to build what hand you have. It's kind of trash for me, and you hit on it a little bit because it's so luck, and the machine can almost spit out whatever card they want to you you know so it's entirely chance I think you know obviously it's based on some sort of formula but 
I, I don't like the card games that like I can't actually see the physical cards, and that's something that the video poker is, and it, it, it's always just not been that enjoyable to me because it's like, you know, they could I could be close to something, and then the the machine could just be like, eh, two of clubs. Here you go, too bad. So trash. So uh, we're agreeing a lot, but the reason I think it's trash is mostly because I don't understand it. No matter how many times somebody has tried to explain poker to me. I have an impossible time understanding poker and you could be the smartest person and you could be so nuanced with it and be like, okay, so here is exactly how it is. And as soon as we start playing, I am totally lost. I have no idea what's happening and I'm just throwing cards down, just totally guessing. I'm just like fold, you know, hit. I, I don't know. I don't know any, I don't know what I'm do doing. You know, at all. Do you know, do you know what the, uh, do you know what like the order is for hands that are good? Do you know like even what the hands are? No, I, I, if you handed me like five cards and said, is this hand good? I couldn't tell you. I would have no idea. Do you, and, do you know what a flush is? No. See, I, I don't understand no, any of this. We got a lot of work to do then. Oof. So, and every we time We got someone, a lot of work to do. And that's the thing, because whenever you start playing with people, no one wants to take the time to explain it to you. They're like, oh, you'll figure it out. And I have never figured it out. So it's, it's trash for that reason. I just, I can't figure out poker. And I wish I could, because I'm sure it would be a lot of fun to just like casually play with some friends. But, you know, I guess it's just not for me. It wasn't, wasn't designed for somebody like me. Now, Tom, something I feel like it's always been popular, even before uh, gambling was legal around the country. This was something that I feel like you could often, there was a lot of places you could do this, except for the stereotypical New Jersey and Vegas before this was all legal. And that's horse racing. Horse racing, I feel like basically everywhere I've ever been, there's somewhere where you can gamble on horse racing. You know, you put money on a horse to win a race. Again, it's a lot of luck involved with this because you're you're dealing with animals at this point and who knows, you know, what could factor into them not performing well on a given day. But Tom, horse racing, cash or trash? Uh, I've actually never gambled on horse racing. I, I will say going to the Kentucky Derby, it feels like a bucket list item for me. It just It just feels like so surreal. Like it, it's not anything like what you see in everyday life and I think it's just one of those like kind of once once in a lifetime experiences and and I think I kind of have that about horse racing in general like I'll watch the triple crown you know you'll you'll see the big races but I I just never got that much into it I think you know I kind of understand the basics of like you can bet on different horses to to place differently but I I just never got into the whole like betting on animals in any way and I, I just don't it's just not for me so I'm going trash I think this is peak degenerate gambling. If you are now the guy who's going to the track every weekend and and betting on horse racing, you have reached the peak of degenerate gambler, and it's time for you to go seek some help. I think horse racing is terrible. I... Uh, you like to be good at it i feel like you need to be so invested in the world that you you just like like you are there all the time you're always placing bets you're taking copious notes or something like that and it just sounds like a recipe for disaster it sounds like you know it, it it's the stereotypical i borrowed 10 bucks from this guy and he broke my kneecaps because i didn't i didn't do well on horse racing like it, it just it has it has bad time written all over it and i just i would never do it It, horse racing sounds terrible i'm gonna go trash it's very like mafia like lost 100 grand because you bet on jason's dream or some absurdly named horse and it's just like you know i lost all my money there you know when i was supposed to pay this guy off and i thought i could double it and be slick and then here i am in a motel parking lot yeah 
Yeah, and the the thing too with horse racing, especially watching it on TV, right? It's fun when you're not actually betting on it because then you just like you pick the horse with the best name and you go with it. You're like, ah, I hope they win. But then like when you're actually do using that strategy for your own money, that it's terrible. Again, there's so much risk involved in just the the idea of horse racing, and you hit the nail on the head. Mafia. It sounds like Mafia Central. The one thing I will say is like the race is over in two minutes, so you can you know get in and know if you're gonna win your bet, like right then. So that is kind of a perk as opposed to you know sitting through a three hour game sweating something out. But that could also be a bad thing because you know you lose quickly and you're like, eh, you know I gotta go chase the loss. Well, and that's the thing too. Like if you lose quickly, depending on what situation you've now gotten yourself into, you now need to find an exit very quickly, and you gotta get out of there. <laughs> And so I, I don't know if I don't know if horse racing horse racing is not for me is basically what I'm saying. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay away from that one for my entire life. I think, uh, Tom, stock trading. You threw this one out there. So I think a lot of people would say this isn't gambling. I would say there is almost nothing that is more of a gamble than stock trading. You're attempting to to find the next up and comer, put some of your money toward it. Hopefully your money will sit there and grow, and now you're rich. Like you know all those people who invested in Bitcoin early on. But a lot of people put their money into companies who tank, you know, penny stocks. It's the whole thing with, uh, you know, the Wolf of Wall Street. He got people to invest in all these penny stocks. He made a bunch of money off of those people, but it was illegal. Uh, so, Tom, stock trading, cash or trash? Come on now. It's not legal unless you get caught. Um, you mean yeah, illegal? It's kind of my Wall Street. Ex- it's not illegal unless you get caught. Yeah, sorry. I mean, that's kind of my Wall Street experience was, was a viewing of the Wolf of Wall Street several years ago, but... Let's be honest, the federal government loves Wall Street, so there's always money there. They're always willing to protect the stockbrokers, so, you know, there's risk there. You know, you can say what you will about the crash in 1929, you know, 2008 recession, 87 Black Monday. You know, the list goes on and on about, but you always got the feds backing you up, and they're always willing to put $1.5 trillion into it instead of helping people out. So, you know, if the feds are going to prioritize it, I will as well. So, cash. Yeah, I'm, I'm going trash. I didn't really have a great reason why, but you just gave me one. If the feds are backing it, I don't want to be involved with them. Why would I ever want to be involved with anything the federal government is involved in? That sounds like a recipe for disaster. And again, I think I think I understand stock trading enough to to like actively do it if I wanted to. But the problem is, is like one bad bet, and now you're in the hole. You're in the hole big too. And I, I just I don't I don't think I want to be involved in something so such such a it's such a roller coaster especially like if you think think about like how it was during the time of the current president and how you know every time he tweeted your stocks could fall that that is not anything I want to be involved with and it just sounds like it wouldn't be a lot of fun I'd be the guy who'd be checking every day which was what you're like not supposed to do my understanding when you trade stocks because you're supposed to kind of let it ride for a little bit. But I would be the guy overly invested, looking every single day like, oh, God, I, I lost $3 today. What's going to happen? And it just, I don't know. It I wouldn't enjoy it. My It would bring a lot of stress into my life. And so for that reason, I'm out. Stock trading sounds terrible. It's kind of a bad indication of the economy, too. That, that always bothered me when people are like, oh, the economy is doing great. When, like, unemployment rates are as high as they've ever been and you know, people are, people are starving. And it's like, oh, the stock market went up a record high today. You know, things are going great. The economy is going well. Like, it's not a good indication. I mean, I get it. Like people make money out of it. I, I get the appeal of it. Like I do, but it's, there, there's a lot that could and historically has gone wrong with it. 
it's a good indicator for how the rich are doing, but not necessarily for how the regular folks are doing. Uh, and I'll leave it at that. Tom, slot machines. Uh, I, I think I won't have to explain this, but I'll do it anyway. You pull a lever. If all three hit, you win money. Cash or trash? Ordinarily, I would say this is trash, but um, the my mother actually has a formula that um, is kind of her way that she's been able to be fairly successful at the machines, and it's that if you go into a casino, the ones that are visible to the human eye, you know, like close to the exits or, you know, somewhere like in the center with like bright lights around them are more likely to win because people are going to see that, that like, oh, somebody wins big there and like go that, oh, I can win here at this, at this casino. And so she's gone there and like, she's done fairly well at very strategically positioned machines. So ordinarily I'd say, you know, it's just a game of luck. Like you just pull it and the symbols show up, but She's used that strategy kind of well, and so I've always respected that, and so I thought it was an interesting theory, and it's kind of worked, so cash. I, I thought it was cash mostly because of the simplicity of it. It, it's Yes, you can lose money very quickly, and I understand that, but there's some, like a child could do it. It's that simple. And the fact, you know, it, like you kind of said, if you kind of understand the nitty-gritty of it, you could win yourself some money just on what seems to be luck, but in reality is just like the design of the machines. And so because of its simplicity, so easy to get into, I got to go cash. I mean, again, you could lose money very quickly, but I, I think it's fun. It's a nice little, you know, you throw, I don't even know how much money a slot machine costs, but say you throw like 20 bucks into a session and, you know, now you got you got some money on your hands because you were just pulling a lever. It was very simple. And now you got some money. I, I don't know. I think it's simple. Yeah, I mean, you can like kind of sliding scale it for however much you want to bet for each pull, so you can you can make it work. I will say like I usually hate the machines that are luck related, and like slots have been the quickest way in my experience to lose money because it's so just pull the lever, pull the lever, pull the lever. So that's kind of why I have a negative take towards them. But I mean, obviously there are people that have made a lot of money off of them, so it's just you know what what are you willing to do? And there's always kind of that little element of luck. Well, Tom, the very last thing on our list, it's a lottery ticket. So as you know, uh, there are many forms of lottery tickets. You can go to a gas station, you can get the Powerball, the Mega Millions, where you have a, a group of numbers, and if any of those hit, you win the overall jackpot, or you could win a sliver of the jackpot. There is scratch-offs, notorious, you know, you scratch off, scratch it off with a quarter, and if you have a match, you win the dollar amount with the things that are matching. It's a very, very interesting way to gamble. So, Tom, lottery tickets, cash or trash? This has kind of a sentimental place for me because I used to, on Christmas, I would always get like a couple lottery tickets and be able to scratch them off. So, you could say I was a degenerate from a very young age, but like the appeal of scratch offs, you know, you never really won more than like five bucks, but it was. The novelty of like, hey, do you have a quarter that I can scratch this stuff off? And like, it was just, it was just cool to see the symbols and win. I've actually never done like Powerball or Mega Millions, so I'm not honestly 100% how those, 100% sure how those work. But like the scratch offs and little stuff have always been interesting to me. And hey, if you can win like 67 billion dollars off the Powerball or whatever, like maybe it's worth it. So Tom, I, this is trash to me. I, I want to say i have played the mega millions once and it was when we were in college and it was over a billion dollars i felt required to play at that point because i'm like well what if what if it was me and of course it wasn't it was somebody else but I, f I felt compelled but tom let me hit you with some stats as to why it's trash yes 
We're going real nerdy today on on Cash or Trash. I found this number. So if you live in the state of Tennessee, again, maybe not not the biggest state in the country, not the smallest state. Sorry, this is just the example the article used. If you live in the state of Tennessee, your odds of winning a Powerball drawing are 1 in 292.2 million. By comparison, you have a 1 in 2.3 million chance of being struck by lightning, 1 in 3.4 million chance of dying after coming into contact with a venomous animal or plant, and a 1 in 10 million chance of being struck by a falling airplane part. You are more likely to be hit by an airplane part and die than you are to win the lottery. There is never anything I'm going to do if I have a better shot of being hit by an airplane part and that happening instead. So lottery is terrible. The like, yeah, scratch offs are fun. What if you ever want anything more than like another ticket? It The whole point of it is to draw you back in, keep you coming back and you just need to scratch the itch. This might be the mo- one of the more addicting forms of gambling too. I it's, it's easily accessible. It is seemingly inexpensive, but they keep you coming back and there you are funding the state and local governments. I mean, I guess that is a good thing because they fund like programs for like the elderly and the youth, but no, I'm out on, I'm out on the lottery. It's trash to me. So you could say the lottery is a tax on stupid people. One could say that. I don't know if I would say that considering, uh, people in my family very much enjoy to, to, buy like mega millions and powerball tickets you know just hoping one day it will be us one day uh i didn't i didn't come up with that slogan to be fair i've heard that from somewhere else Uh, people have been saying that for years i don't necessarily agree with it but you know there's a there's some sort of stat where it's like a large portion of people who win like the powerball or the mega millions end up broke again and I assume that's because of like these people coming into a lot of money and not knowing how to actually handle that much money. But I, I've always found that fascinating that these people who have always wanted to do it, I've always wanted to win the Powerball, I've always needed this. Soon as they get it, they lose all their money. And I find, I just find that aspect of it super interesting. But also, like, it's not great if that's what your thing is known for of people winning money and then blowing it all. I think there's some parallels with, like, young professional athletes that make a lot of money as well. Like, sometimes there's some, some financial mismanagement there. And so, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. It, it's people that aren't used to having a lot of money coming into it and kind of, you know, everyone thinks, oh, nice house, fancy car. And you don't think retirement savings or 401k, you know, anything like that. So, I I, I see where you're coming from with that. And I think... They like they take like I think more than fifty percent in taxes anyway off of the lottery. So I think if you won a billion, it would only break into like four hundred and twelve million, like somewhere around there. So like, I mean, it's still a ton of money. It's still a ton of money to be fair. But you know, who's the feds are winning again is what it comes down to. So you know, I'll leave it at that. Tom, if you were to win the lottery, what's the first thing you're spending your money on? Uh, let's let's ignore practical things. So, you know, you like for me, like my student loans, I'd obviously pay that first, but we're going to ignore those things. So the first impractical thing you'd purchase. Impractical purchase? Um... I'll, I'll go first to give you an example because I know what mine would be. I've always known this. If I won the lottery, the first impractical thing I'd buy 
is a very nice diamond chain. Don't ask me why. I think it would be super fly. I could basically never wear it out, but I would want one. I'd buy it, and then it'd feel like a waste. So in reality, I probably wouldn't buy it, but like in my head, I'm like, ah, but that'd be such a flex. And see, this is why people lose their money when they win the lottery. I think I would buy. I think I would buy like a low-level sports team and like just say I could own the team and uh, maybe like some European soccer team that's in like the fifth division in their country. You know, see if we can see if we can FIFA my player it and get get up to the top league. Uh, have some fun with it. I'm sure I'd bankrupt the team in like six months, but you know, it'd be it'd be fun to kind of be the owner of a team. And you know, a lot of people say, oh, if I was the owner, I would have done this differently, or you know, I would have signed this player, or I would have done this with the team. You know. That would be my chance to kind of prove probably how bad I am at being a sports owner. So the the let me just elaborate on this. My my practical thing I'd buy. I have like an order of things. I've been like, all right, I'd pay off my student loans, I'd pay off my parents parents mortgage, and then I'd hire a financial advisor because I need somebody to tell me how to manage this money because I know I'd blow through it. Uh, why would you not hire the advisor first? What, what What's the thought process there? Because, yeah, I could hire him first, but no matter what, I'm going to pay okay. off my student. Like, if I, if I blew all my money, but my parents didn't have a mortgage anymore and I didn't have student loans, I'd still probably be okay it's if worth I blew it. through all that money. Yeah, yeah exactly. it's definitely worth it. I like where you're going with that. Yeah, so he, he, he can come in and in the beginning. He can come in after I do those two things. Doesn't matter. I'm doing those two things. There's too many. Uh, there's too many diamond chain people in the world. There's not enough uh, payoff student loans people in the world. So I, I, I guess that's the lesson. <laughs> that's the lesson to take away here. On uh, there's a lot going on. And I, I think that's the perfect place to end this this show. The kids are learning a lot from us today, Tom. You know, they're learning how to gamble. They're learning how to then use their lottery winnings. They're I'm sure they're taking copious notes, and they're gonna come back to us when they're broke after winning the lottery in a couple of years and blame us for it. And you know. It, it's going to be on us in some way, but what I'm also yeah, saying absolutely. is I take no culpability for my actions. <laughs> Tom, you have any final words here? Uh, never bet more than you're willing to lose. That's the golden rule. I'll leave it at that. Never bet more than you're willing to lose, and make sure you're back here next Monday for another edition of There's a Lot Going On. If you enjoyed our college football talk, our gambling talk, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating. Leave us a comment. Tell us what you want to talk about. If you got any questions for us, that's the place to do it. Follow us on Twitter, both of us and the show. Links are in the show notes of this episode. Uh, if you have any questions, you can tweet us there or you can leave a comment, like I said, on the review page. But for now, thank you for listening to another edition of There's a Lot Going On and we'll catch you back here next week.